Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in episode 170. What's right with Nick Wright? Today's episode brought to you by Starbucks, ready to drink coffee. Tune in to moments that matter the most with the uplifting boost of Starbucks Mocha Frappuccino Chilled Coffee Drink available now online or wherever you buy your groceries. I actually, I was all out of the Starbucks ready to drink coffee that I leave here uh, at Trintage where we do the podcast. I went literally 12 feet around down the street to the bodega on the corner. They had a whole little cooler of these things. You really can get them anywhere. Guess who else is back in addition to my Starbucks drink? Diora, making her triumphant return, looking nice and tan and refreshed from quite the trip. It's wonderful to see you. I missed you so much. And the shirt I'm wearing today, courtesy my wonderful daughter, who bought me a present on her trip it was so kind. I love the shirt. Thank you. Welcome back. Of Are you course. excited to be back? Yeah, of course. Yeah, she's thrilled to be here. Uh, by the way, a little scheduling note. We have podcast today and Thursday, and then the podcast and the TV show are off next week for the last vacation of the summer, and then we are into the stretch run of football shortly after we get back from that vacation. Diora will do her farewell show. Demonze will take back over. Diora will go off to college and I will enter a bit of an existential crisis. But we will get to that at another time. Here's what missed the cut for today's show. Hard Knocks is returning. We might talk about that on Thursday. Carson Wentz, just really a bad look, man. Wearing your Eagles helmet, your Washington jersey, and your cult shorts. And... My Philly gambling trip, well, listen, I, I'll give you the short version of that. Didn't go great. Could have gone better, but had a great time. Nice little weekend away with the wife, uh, and I have a potential really exciting gambling trip involving my friends at Poker Go and Phil Helmuth and all of that uh, that may or may not happen here in the next 30 days. If I get that locked down, I will discuss it with you guys on the pod, but... No no more waiting. Dior, what are we starting with today? So, Micah Parsons says that the Hall of Fame is not a big enough accomplishment. He said he wants to be known as one of the greatest Hall of Famers. Okay. Is he already a lock for Hall of Fame? No. Or is he getting ahead of himself? So, he's obviously getting ahead of himself. And I think people underestimate, not just players, fans, media, 
how difficult the NFL Hall of Fame is to get into. The, the finalists for this past year, guys, and when you look at guys who didn't make it, if we do the finalists or hell, the, the 26 semifinalists for the Hall of Fame this past season, you have some great players who didn't even then make the finalist list. Eric Allen, not a finalist. Jared Allen, Jared Allen was a finalist, didn't make it. Willie Anderson didn't make it. Anquan Bolden wasn't even a finalist. I, I, Tony Baselli, I don't even think he was a finalist. Let me make sure I'm right on. Oh no, he was a finalist, but he did not make it. Pardon me. Eddie George, not a finalist. Devin Hester, didn't make it. Tory Holt, Andre Johnson, did not make it. Richard Seymour, did not make it. So Reggie Wayne, did not make it. Patrick Willis, did not make it. Patrick Willis. So people throw, so of course Micah's off to a good start. He's got to do what he's done the first couple years of his career for the next decade. So what's the what's the follow-up question here, Diora? Which current NFL players are a lock for the Hall of Fame? Okay. So Colin did this on TV yesterday. I'm going to do a slightly different version. And we will go team by team and, and set, list everyone. And I should have given the producers a heads up on this. If someone with our wonderful Blue Duck production staff in Los Angeles can just start a document or jot something down uh, and every player that I list put in whichever category. So the categories that I have are locks, likely, good start, and not quite. I think those are the categories that I have. And, and, you know, throw possible on there as well. And we'll see what we come up with at the end of it. I'm just going to go team by team the way they're listed in the standings, and we'll go through it. The Dallas Cowboys have as many possibles, or not even necessarily possibles, as, we're going to list as many names with the Cowboys as any team, and it's only three names. So Tyron Smith is a likely Hall of Famer. He is not a lock Hall of Famer, not yet, but Tyron Smith, he's got, Eight Pro Bowls, four All-Pros. He was on an All-Decade team. Even that, at an offensive line, as an offensive lineman, I can't call him a lock, but he is a likely Hall of Famer, as is his offensive line mate, Zach Martin. Zach Martin, who's been the best guard in the league for quite some time, he has eight Pro Bowls, eight All-Pros, including six first-team All-Pros, why is he not a lock for the Hall of Fame? And he's damn close. The answer to that is it is incredibly difficult to get in as a guard. Incredibly difficult. He is close to a lock. He is not quite a lock. But he is a very likely Hall of Famer. Tyron Smith is a likely Hall of Famer. Micah Parsons is in the good start category. So great start. But I'm not ready at all to 
He's got, again, another half decade plus of this level of production. The Giants have no one that comes to, that is in the discussion. The Eagles have one person, Jason Kelsey, and I think he is a lock. Jason Kelsey is, by some people consider him the best center ever. He's a five-time first-team All-Pro, and whether it should matter or it shouldn't, because his resume probably is not quite as impressive as Zach Martin's, but you got to keep in mind when it comes to first-team All-Pros, there's only one center, there's two guard positions available, and the fact that he's won two Super Bowls, or I'm sorry, won one Super Bowl, played in another Super Bowl, is going to help him greatly. He's a lock Hall of Famer. No one else on the Eagles is even really in the discussion. I, And you can say you're not... Fletcher Cox, it, Matt mentioned just to me in my ear, and I was going to go through it. And I, Matt, please keep doing that if you think there's someone I'm way overlooking. Fletcher Cox, to me, is a great example of how hard it is to make the Hall of Fame. Fletcher Cox is a very good player. He is not a Hall of Fame player. Fletcher Cox is not better than Richard Seymour was, and Richard Seymour might never get in. Fletcher Cox is not better than Bryant Young was, and Bryant Young might never get in. Fletcher Cox is very, very good. He's not a Hall of Famer. Washington obviously has no one. And that takes care of the NFC East. The Bears have no one. The Lions have no one. The Packers becomes an interesting discussion with one guy, David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari, three-time Pro Bowler, five-time All-Pro, two-time first-team All-Pro, To me, David Bakhtiari just misses. He's behind Tyron Smith as far as tackles from his era. He's obviously behind a guy we're going to get to in a bit in tackles from his era. I think David Bakhtiari just misses, so that means the Packers have no one. The Vikings, Justin Jefferson, good start category. Way too early but the start couldn't possibly be stronger. The guy averages basically 100 yards a game for his career. He's been spectacular. He just got voted number two on the NFL's top 100 list, which is remarkable. I think it's the highest receiver's ever been on that list. He gets the good start category. The Falcons, the the only person they have and I think people maybe forget that he plays for this team. I forgot he played for this team because he hadn't played for him yet, is Calais Campbell. Calais Campbell is in the just misses category. 99 sacks, only three All-Pros. Now, he was an All-Decade member, which helps him, but I think Calais Campbell just misses. The Saints have one person. That's Cam Jordan, and he is going to be 
Uh, I think people, he's going to be a controversial one, but the numbers are jarring for Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan, who just signed an extension, has 115 and a half career sacks. So when you look at the all-time leaders uh, for sacks, and I understand it's a stat that's only been kept you know, over the last 40 years. But if we go to it, and pro the official leaders on all-time sacks, he's 23rd. If he gets another 10 sacks in his career, he moves into the top 20. He is 8 sacks behind Robert Mathis and 8 sacks behind Von Miller. He's 10 sacks behind Dwight Freeney. And guys ahead of him on the official leaderboard. Now, Football Reference did a cool thing where they went back and counted the unofficial sacks. But Cam Jordan, if we just go by the official leaderboard, Cam Jordan has more than J.J. Watt, who just retired and is an absolute, no doubt, lock Hall of Famer. It's one more, but it's more. Guys with more sacks than Cam Jordan, I'll go through them quickly and tell you if they're not in the Hall of Fame. Bruce Smith, Reggie White, Kevin Green, Julius Peppers, not in, but will be. He hadn't been retired long enough. Chris Dolman, Michael Strahan, Jason Taylor, Terrell Suggs. Suggs, not in, but will be. Demarcus Ware, Richard Dent, John Randall, Jared Allen at 136. He's a finalist, but hasn't gotten in yet. John Abraham, not in, and doesn't look like he's going to get in. Leslie O'Neill, Lawrence Taylor, Richie Jackson, Ricky Jackson, pardon me, Derek Thomas, Freeney, who's waiting, Von Miller, Robert Mathis, Simeon Rice, Clyde Simmons, Cam Jordan. None of those guys are in. So my point is, he gets 10 more sacks. He's almost assuredly getting in. He just signed an extension. He is not a lock, but he is a likely Hall of Famer. The Bucks have have one guy. Oh, so the the producers remind me Jimmy Graham is now on the Saints again. Jimmy Graham, in my opinion, has no chance of being a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's a two-time All-Pro. He has gaudy touchdown numbers. But not much else. Jimmy Graham, it, to me, is I didn't even consider him. And it's not, it, it, well, it's partially because I forgot that he had re-signed with the Saints. He's not a Hall of Famer. The Bucks. people are going to bring up, there's only one person, they're going to bring up Mike Evans. Mike Evans, to me, is once again a very, very good player who has never, not a day been, was there ever a discussion, is he the best receiver in the league? There's never been a discussion, is he the second best receiver in the league? He has one really impressive stat, which is he has started his career with nine consecutive thousand-yard seasons, or is it ten consecutive? It is, how many seasons has he played? He's done it every single year. It's nine consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. I do not think he gets in the Hall of Fame. 
I, I, I the, to me, he is if Andre Johnson and Reggie Wayne and Tory Holt, we don't know if they're getting in. There is no argument that Mike Evans gets in. So Mike Evans to me is not quite. The Rams obviously have one guy. It's Aaron Donald. He's a 100% lock. There is not even, it's not even worth discussing. Stafford, it's also not worth discussing. He's not even close. The Cardinals have no one. The 49ers have one lock in Trent Williams. Been the best left tackle in the league for a decade. He is, and and that is going to hurt Bakhtiari. Because how many left tackles from one era are going to make it? Trent Williams is in, is going to be in. Tyron Smith is in route. So I think that hurts Bakhtiari. Nicky Bosa is in the good start category. Need a lot, lot more sample, but he's in the good start category. And George Kittle is the very, very good, not a Hall of Famer. And then the Seattle Seahawks have one guy, Bobby Wagner, who to me is an absolute lock. So the entirety of the NFC, what we have is the following. And I said we were going to spend a lot of time on this. I think it's fun exercise. Jason Kelsey, Aaron Donald, Trent Williams. In the entirety of the NFC, there are three lock Hall of Famers active right now. In the entirety of... Say that again, Matt. Sorry. Oh, and Bobby Wagner. Pardon me. I, oh, I forgot to. Yes, you're right. So there's four. Thank you. I had just said Bobby Wagner. I didn't put Locke next to his name on my little document that I'm making. Thank you for that. So there's four. Bobby Wagner, Trent Williams, Aaron Donald, and Jason Kelsey. In the entirety of the NFC, as far as guys that are en route, it would appear, you have Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, who is approaching Locke category, uh, Cam Jordan as likelies. And then I put Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons and Justin Jefferson in the good start category. That's the NFC. To the AFC, Va- the Bills have one no-doubt Hall of Famer. We all know who he is, Von Miller. Von Miller is a no-doubt lock Hall of Famer. There's no scenario where he doesn't get in. He might be a first ballot guy. He's a lock. I People are going to say, Nick, where's Josh Allen on this? Right now, he's not, clo- he's not even close, and it, you can't even put him in the good start category because for a quarterback, there's, there's some benchmarks you've got to hit. He's not e- either playoff success or MVPs or something. He's not there. So it's just Von Miller right now. The Dolphins are an interesting team here. I believe at this point Tyree Kill is a lock Hall of Famer. Tyree Kill is one of the most notable players of his era. He made an all-decade team. He is a four-time first-team All-Pro. And... Absolutely, if you ask the question, was he ever considered the best receiver in the league, the answer was yes. Now, it wasn't unanimous, but the answer was yes. He's a lock. Then there's Jalen Ramsey, 
who, and this is why Micah's comments are so interesting, where he's like, you know, I want to be one of the best Hall of Famers ever. Jalen Ramsey, through four years of his career, looked like he was going to be a no-doubter. Doubt is starting to creep in. He's a three-time first-team All-Pro, but this year is going to be basically a lost year, which means the next season he plays will be his age 30 season. I have him listed, Jalen Ramsey, in the likely category because he was considered the best corner in the league for a period of time, but he is not a lock, and he maybe deserves to be in the possible category rather than the likely category. He's a tough one. The Patriots have no one. The Jets obviously have Aaron Rodgers as a lock, and that's it. I, Garrett Wilson, we're not going to even call it good start yet for him. It's one year. Quinn and Williams, no. Like it's, you can't even call it good start yet. They, it, it, you'd have to be even better than he's been. Aaron Rodgers is a lock, and that's it. The Browns have one guy, and he is... he's a hard one to even put in a category. I'm going to call him likely because the guy is, he's been in the league too long to just say good start, but he hasn't done enough yet for him to be anywhere close to a lock, and that's Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has 75 sacks in 84 career games. He has been, his sacks by season, seven as a rookie, then 13, 10, 12, 16, 16 to go along with as far as TFLs, 9, 12, 11, 10, 17, 18. He is a four-time All-Pro, a four-time Pro Bowler, but as we demonstrated previously, he has to almost duplicate these last five years for the next five years to be a lock. He's in the likely category. The Bengals have two obvious guys in the good start category, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They are way too young to put past that, but they're both in the good start category. The Steelers have one guy in the good start category and one guy in the not quite category. The good start category is obviously TJ Watt. The not quite category is Cam Hayward. The Ravens have one guy that's a lock. Know who he is? Their kicker, Justin Tucker. He is a lock Hall of Famer. If you're going to put ever put more kickers in, it has to be him. He's a lock Hall of Famer. The Titans have one guy who I think is a likely Hall of Famer. Now, I don't know that his career numbers are going to stack up to the other great Hall of Fame running backs, but... What helps him so much is he has the distinction, I was unquestioned the best of my position of my era, and that's Derrick Henry, and because of that, he's not a lock, but to me, he's likely. He also, right now, is the only person in his entire division that even made the discussion. 
I'd love to call say Trevor's off to a good start. You can't say that. I got to be fair here as far as Hall of Fame goes. The Colts, Jags, and Texans have no one worth discussing. The Titans only have Derrick Henry. And that brings us to our last division. The Chiefs have two dead set... Go ahead, Dior. Said overtime in the first question. I know, yeah. I said this one was going to be long, but I think this is a good exercise. The Chiefs have two obvious, no-question locks in Mahomes and Kelsey. And I know Mahomes has only started for five years. Doesn't matter. Two Super Bowls, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs. The only people with multiple Super Bowls and uh, multiple Super Bowl MVPs and multiple regular season MVPs are Joe Montana, Tom Brady, and Patrick Mahomes. He is a no-doubt Hall of Famer, and Kelsey's the greatest tight end ever. Chris Jones is a little old for this. I can't put him in the likely category because he's not that yet. I'm going to put him in the good start category, even though he's a little old for that, because A, his numbers are eye-popping, especially that position. B, if the Chiefs win another Super Bowl in the next couple years and they are considered a dynasty, they will get some bonus spots for their players in the Hall of Fame. And Tyreek was only there for one of them. Mahomes and Kelsey, obviously. Chris Jones is the clear-cut guy that would slide into that next spot. Devontae Adams for the Raiders. He's the only person that I even considered. Chandler Jones, to me, is in that not-quite category. Devontae, I put as a possible. He's a three-time All-Pro Six-time Pro Bowler. We've talked about how hard the receiver position is. We'll see how much longer he's great for, but we're going to call him possible. The Chargers right now have nobody. Joey Bosa is is really good. He hasn't had a Hall of Fame career up to this point. Neither has Khalil Mack. Neither is Derwin James. Obviously not Justin Herbert. And then... Maybe, and this is the last one, maybe the most interesting Hall of Fame litmus test on this list, and I have him as a possible, Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Russell Wilson, nine-time Pro Bowler, but zero first-team All-Pros, one second team all pro and if he if this era of his career is a disaster i think he plays himself out of the hall of fame so there's the entirety of it Excuse you okay me. scoot having a bit of a cough i know attack. it's crazy because you haven't had to do anything yet and you're just out here just dying how rude i'm just telling you i mean you're just out here dying um so there it is. So the the uh, once again, much like what we did on Thursday, that I said I hope was as interesting to the audience as it was to me. That's everyone in the league. It is incredibly difficult to even become a Hall of Fame finalist, much less make it. By my count, there are 
only, let me make sure I'm right on this. We had four locks in the NFC. As far as no question about it, Kelsey, Donald, Williams, Wagner. In the AFC, we have Von Miller, Tyreek Hill, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Tucker, Mahomes, and Kelsey. So that is six more locks with about a dozen other likelies. At any given time, guys, you're probably only watching 20 active Hall of Famers. And that's where we're at. And that's how I see it playing out. So again, you guys can include in your comments or questions your thoughts. We'll do that actually before the C block. We'll do this excite right thing, Dior. You want to tell them about it right here if you if you're feeling up to it? You're so rude. Go ahead. If you guys think that we missed anyone, that you could put it in the chat for the first edition of Excite, right? And we'll explain what that is later. Yeah, and also there are some guys that just retired or aren't currently on rosters but haven't announced their retirement that are interesting discussions as well. We can get to them there also, but let's do the rest of the show now, Diora. Anthony Davis signed a max extension and is tied to the Lakers through 2028. L.A. has a massive offseason, and now their future is secure. Is this a smart move by L.A.? It's a no-doubt move. It's, it's unquestionably the right move for two reasons. One is Anthony Davis could have been a free agent after this coming season if they didn't do this. He had an early termination option, which is similar to a player option. He could just end his contract a year early. You can't let Anthony Davis hit free agency. He's coming off his second best season as a Laker, his second best playoff run of his career. It, it, and I understand the Nuggets swept the Lakers. But if you are trying to get through the Nuggets, you need to have a seven-footer that they at least have to deal with. And as far as people alive, if I'm trying to get through Nikola Jokic, yes, my number one draft pick for who I would want is Giannis. But you could make an argument. The number two draft pick is Anthony Davis. He's more of a proven playoff commodity than Joel Embiid. His postseason health history is not worse than Embiid's. And even if you put Embiid ahead of him, then AD is third. Like, for the rest of AD's prime, Jokic is going to be the Western Conference end boss, at least for the near future. This was an absolute no-brainer. All right, next. Okay, Jamar Chase wants Joe Burrow to be careful not rushing back from injury injury he said as long as you're there after week five and on you're good brother how how close is this to jaws we're fine in the west statement it's a it's a second cousin of it i listen i agree with jamar's analysis i think the Bengals have to be super careful with joe and not just because he could re-aggravate the calf but if the calf isn't fully healthy and he's not able to escape a big hit, he could suffer a different type of injury, a more devastating injury. So I agree they've got to be super careful with him. I do think Jamar is a little bit putting the cart ahead of the horse when he's talking about, we've got bigger goals, we just need you for the end of the season. That's That part is maybe a little premature, but the general sentiment is exactly correct. The general sentiment that 
they need to be super cautious with Joe Burrow. And by the way, their week one game is against the Browns, which is the team Joe Burrow's had the most trouble with in his career. He has five picks in five games. He's only beat them once. So maybe Joe sitting out that game is not the worst thing in the world to begin with. I would be super cautious with Joe Burrow. I agree with Jamar there. I think some of the other commentary is, again, maybe a little premature, but I'm fine with it. All right, last. Mike Vrabel is turning over head coaching duties to assistant Terrell Williams in the first preseason game. Should more coaches be be following suit? So I had never thought of this, and now that somebody's done it, I'm like, oh, that's obvious. And it's one of those things that I can't say it's obvious because I had never thought of it, but but it now feels like, oh, yeah, of course. And I think it's a great idea. I think this is uh, pretty clearly uh, forward thinking, and it's going to, A, I think it's going to give him a, a better, the, from a selfish perspective, it gives him a better chance of acquiring better young up-and-coming coaches for his staff because he's giving them opportunities. From a selfless perspective, it's a great opportunity for Terrell Williams, and it is absolutely the type of thing, now that I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I wish that Reed had done this with Biennemi and that you had other team, other coaches who have guys on, like, should Belichick do it? With Gerard Mayo, who's a potential coach in waiting, are there other teams that should consider doing this if the head coach is fully entrenched? Absolutely. So I think that's a great job by Mike Vrabel. I think it's smart. I think it's helpful for his team. I think it's helpful for his staff. I think there. this is one of those things that is, again, now that someone's done it, it seems like a no-brainer that more teams should do it. All right, we'll see who you guys think deserved more discussion on the Hall of Fame. Plus, uh, we play a game of right or wrong and talk a little Women's World Cup. All that's next. What's right? What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Hey guys, let me remind you, welcome back in, but I got to remind you, my life moves fast between two shows, 
Two kids at home, which is soon going to just be one kid at home. I could use a pick-me-up. Starbucks Ready to Drink Coffee delivers an uplifting boost that helps you tune in to the moments that matter wherever you are. Bottled Frappuccino Chilled Coffee Drink is inspired by Starbucks Cafe favorites and comes in four delicious flavors. Mocha, that's the one I'm drinking today, vanilla, caramel, and coffee. I like to start my day With some type of coffee, especially when I'm recording a new episode of What's Right, my go-to drink is Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee for that uplifting boost I need to conquer the day. Gotta love the range of Starbucks ready-to-drink coffee, whether I want to grab a Starbucks Frappuccino chilled coffee drink or the Nitro cold brew. So many good choices for whatever I'm feeling that day. Starbucks coffee ready for right now. Shop the full lineup online or in store wherever you buy your groceries. All right, welcome back in. Episode 170. Once again, it's brought to you by our friends at Starbucks. Diora, for our first edition of Excite Right, go right ahead. Okay, so at the top of the show, which was honestly only like five minutes ago, um, we talked Micah Parsons um, aiming for the Hall of Fame and asked who you think will get in. Here's who Here's who the chat has as their Hall of Fame contenders. Yep. Are you in or out? A few mentioned DeAndre Hopkins on Titans. Okay, all right. So I should have at least mentioned him. I DeAndre was looking like he was going to be a Hall of Famer. The last couple seasons in Arizona and the fact that he's now a Titan, I think is he's now in the not-quite category, which is amazing to me. And I, there are just, at that position, right now, Andre Johnson, who Andre Johnson, with terrible quarterbacks, plus a few years of Matt Schaub, who was fine but not great, had 14,000 yards, 70 touchdowns. DeAndre has 11,000 yards, 71 touchdowns. And Andre has been waiting. So, and Andre, to me, passes the test of, were you for an extended period of time the best or the second best at your position? Unquestionably, yes. So, I I think right now, DeAndre's a not quite. I'm going to tell you somebody else who I, I get, I believe will get in. But people treat him like he is going to walk in first ballot, and I do not think that is the case, but I do think he'll get in. And is he even on a team right now? Uh, No, right now he's not. And that's Julio Jones. Julio Jones now, he also passes the test of, was he the best in the world for a period of time? But Julio, if he doesn't play again... If again, if we use the Andre Johnson standard, Julio has 13,000 yards and 63 touchdowns. That's fewer than Andre in both categories. And Andre is not in. So again, I just think people underestimate how difficult it is. But all right, what's the, who's the next person people mentioned? Um, Andrew Ortiz says Stefan Gilmore from the, the Cowboys. Stefan Gilmore's not a Hall of Famer. I know he won a Defensive Player of the Year award. 
uh, he's not a he's just not a Hall of Famer, and he's not going to be a, a be a particularly difficult case. Five time Pro Bowler, two time All Pro, very very good player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Go ahead. T. Maine and others said Lane Johnson, Philly. I should have mentioned him as a possible. I don't think. I, I know, be, again, people throw around future Hall of Famer Lane Johnson. Right now, he doesn't have the bona fides. He's just a three-time All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, and he's 33. He's playing right tackle. God, dog it, that's going to be hard. I Jason Kelsey is a lock. I think Lane is probably a not quite. Maybe he maybe he should be a possible. I certainly should have mentioned him. That was my mistake, not even mentioning him. But I think he's probably just on the outside. All right, next. Um, Nasdub said Cooper Cup. This is not even a discussion. Cooper Cup uh, had one Hall of Fame caliber season. One other really good season. He's, I think he's already 30. It's not even, and I'm not trying to be rude to the, yeah, he just turned 30. He has no chance. There is literally no chance for Cooper Cup. If he duplicated his entire career up to this point in his 30s, he still probably doesn't get in. That would put him at 12,000 yards, 90 touchdowns. And maybe that would get him in, but he's not going to duplicate that in his 30s, so it doesn't matter. He has has one Pro Bowl, one All-Pro, one all-time season when he won the Triple Crown. It was a great year, but he is not even close to a Hall of Famer. Next. Okay, Francisco, Francisco said Honey Badger from the Saints. I... I really like Tyron Matthew. Won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. He does have that all-decade team under his belt, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Very, very good player. Not a Hall of Famer. Um, All right, next. Okay. Austin, Mm -hmm. Patrick Peterson, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Patrick Peterson... Was on so my list of guys who just retired. Uh, so Minka, I would put in, I guess, the good start category. He's he has to do far more, um, but he's a three time all pro already, so he hasn't played nearly long enough. Patrick Peterson, I believe, is a Hall of Famer, but he's not an active player anymore. Oh, is Patrick Peterson an active player now? Oh, he's on the Steelers? Oh, I thought Patrick Peterson... So I would have included... So that's my mistake. That's a bad job by me. I thought Patrick Peterson retired. I thought Patrick Peterson... That says a lot of... Well, no, no, no. He's, I mean, he's an older guy. Um, I think Patrick... I don't think Patrick Peterson's a lock. I would put him in the likely category. Uh, but I also thought he had retired. That's my mistake. Sorry, Steelers fans. I didn't know he was on the Steelers right now. I thought he was, after the Vikings, he retired. The the guys who just retired, to me, J.J. Watt, obvious lock. Jason Peters, 
pretty damn close to a lock. He's going to get in. Matt Ryan is not a Hall of Famer. If you think he's a Hall of Famer, you're just doing counting stuff. I know he won a league MVP once. He is not a Hall of Famer. And to me, and this one might be controversial, uh, but as far as guys that I don't know if they're just retired or just not on a roster, Indomitian Sue is not a Hall of Famer. He's very, very close and very, very good, but not a Hall of Famer. So Antonio Brown is not a Hall of Famer. Antonio Brown would have been and was en route to it and didn't have much more to do. But he Antonio Brown honestly was probably one good se- one more good season away from being in. But because of how it ended and because of the log jam at that position and because he's just so universally considered a bad guy, He's not going to get any favors there. I don't think he's in. All right, Diora, we'll move on from the Hall of Fame stuff. Good job with Excite Right, everybody. What's next? Okay, it's the end of an era for U.S. women's soccer. The team had their worst World Cup ever and are losing a lot of their stars. In the in a year of injuries and young players, were the expectations unreasonable? Uh, I don't think the expectations were unreasonable. This team just underachieved. They also, I mean after a miserable group stage, you know, they they had a penalty kick to, to, to advance, to beat Sweden. And they were the number one team in the nation, the number two team, or number one team in the nation, number one team in the world, the number two team in the world, Germany had already been knocked out, the number three team in the world, they were playing in Sweden. And if Rapino hits that penalty kick, and she wasn't the only one who missed, but she was, you know, they had I, two opportunities, one opportunity, I don't know if it was Rapino or the lady after, I, I don't. I have it all scattered in my head now, but they had a kick to win it, and, and by the way, they missed three penalty kicks, none of that they would have missed if there wasn't a goalie. Two went over the goal, and one went off the post, and that's just not executed. The, the coach didn't do it, the manager, pardon me, didn't do a great job this World Cup, but those missed penalties... It's just bad execution by the players. And so, no, I don't. I think the U.S. is still positioned well in women's soccer. I also think the rest of the world has caught up greatly. None of this is breaking news. I also think the biggest story, unfortunately, surrounding the Women's World Cup exit was the, if you needed more infer- more data that certain folks who claim to be the most patriotic actually actively root against and dislike massive swaths of America and Americans then just look to the reaction of the women's world cup laws because There are folks out there that claim they are the most American and were actively rooting against the our country, one of our country's most successful teams because they didn't like these ladies' politics. And it would be shameful and embarrassing if it wasn't so predictable. And some of these absolute fools that 
are trying to either convince themselves or convince their audience that the U.S. women's national team, again, a women's professional sport, that that team used to have different politics, that that team all of a sudden, you know, in 2023, quote, went woke when previously what? You think they were against equal pay? You think they were against women's rights? You think they were against gay rights? You think that when they were rolling every nation in the world, winning World Cups, this was a super conservative group of professional female athletes? Give me a break. If you believe that, you're an idiot, and you don't actually believe that. You're just trying to sell snake oil to a diluted, mind-poisoned audience. Um... And these, so many of these folks do not actually root for America. They root for Americans who either agree with their politics or Americans who disagree with their politics but won't say it. And because of that, there was a bit of a celebration when these women lost. And again, I don't want to spend any more time on it because it's just so predictable. And there are just, again, big, big portions of this country that are, they're, they're running out of sports that they can enjoy, I suppose. Because... Athletes have always and will always skew left of the median American political stance because athletes skew, for certainly female athletes, are left of the median American. Minorities are left of the median American. And football and basketball have a disproportionate amount of minorities. You also, by the way, in women's soccer, like the if you just get forget if they're soccer players or not, if you get a group of college educated women and then compare their politics to again the median American, they're gonna be left of that group. And some folks are so damn sensitive and, dare I say, snowflakes, they can't handle it. They can't handle differing opinions. They can't handle people advocating for full and equal rights of groups they don't think deserve full and equal rights or full and equal pay, and they'll freak out. And some people just turn this podcast or YouTube show off and are trying to Google my email address to send me an angry email. And I just could it would be impossible for me to care less about that. Um... And so it's just remarkable to me how some folks simultaneously believe they have a monopoly on patriotism while also believing that there are entire cities in this country, if not a couple states, that are not, quote, real America and that there are millions of Americans that are not, quote, real Americans, and that even when they are literally wearing the flag across their chest, 
representing the United States on the international stage, they root against them because they dislike who they vote for and the policies they advocate for. It's just so pathetic. All right, let's play a game. Go ahead, Diora. So we're going to play a game of right or wrong. Jimmy G has thrown seven interceptions in two practices, but Josh McDaniel says he has no concerns. Right or wrong, Nick has some concerns about Jimmy G. Well, I always have some concerns about Jimmy G, but when you look at the Raiders' depth chart at quarterback, it's not exactly one that's going to give Jimmy G a lot of competition. It's Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer. So he's going to be their quarterback. Pardon me. The uh, Here is my only concern for Jimmy G. If he's bad enough that the Raiders end up getting Caleb Williams. That it will be unfathomable for me if... I have to deal with Caleb Williams in the AFC West. It's why I need the Cardinals to go 0-17 and just lock that thing in. But yeah, the Raiders are not going to be very good, and Jimmy G's not going to be very good. So yeah, right, I have some concerns about him. All right, next. Okay, sorry. The Chiefs posted a video on Twitter, which may have shown the world their game plan this year. Patrick Mahomes is throwing passes behind his back now. Right or wrong, Mahomes will throw a behind-the-back pass this year. Oh, I I mean, it's—I mean, he's going to do it. He came on first things first and said he was going to do it. This was in 11-on-11, and as all he has to do is do it one time. And it greatly helps the Chiefs because when you are game planning for the best offense in the league, now all of a sudden, and we can run the video again, I think we're going to do it right now, all of a sudden you now have to game plan that even if all the receivers are set out to the right and Mahomes is looking to the right, he could do that and you all of a sudden have a de facto screen pass going to the left. So yeah, I think he's going to do it. He told me on the show that he does it all the time in practice, but he's been afraid to do it. We asked him to do it in the Super Bowl. He said he wasn't going to do it in the Super Bowl. He didn't do it in the Super Bowl, but I think he's going to do it in the regular season. All right, next. Okay, Russell Wilson will play the first game of the preseason. Right or wrong, Russ is at an all-time low. Well, he might be at an all-time low, but I'm going to say wrong in the context of this question. I think this is smart. Folks, you know what team plays their starters throughout the preseason and has padded practices and goes hard at training camp? Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe you guys should model yourselves after that rather than everyone trying to do what Sean McVay did that one year, which is play starters zero snaps the entire preseason. That is, you got to get these guys ready to play. So I think Russ playing in the preseason is not an insult. I think it's smart. All right, next. Messi now has seven goals in four games since coming to the MLS. Right or wrong, Messi's Messi anytime goal will be in many Nick parlays. Wrong. I'm not betting MLS soccer. I maybe I my guess is the fact that the producers, the squarest group of betters I've ever met, are already encouraging this makes me think that even without looking at it, that the juice is probably way way too high. I'm not be- I, I'm not betting MLS soccer. I'm keeping the powder dry for football season and our glorious gambling shows that are coming next. Okay, the Angels decided not to trade Sho Shohei Otani at the at the deadline. 
they lost they've lost every game since right or wrong the angels are a crime against humanity well uh, yeah i mean this is really bad and I, I you know i was pounding the drum don't trade shohei you should be buyers not sellers go try to make a run they did exactly that and now they're just totally screwed so i you know i still think it was the right thing if you have a guy who some people are saying could be the greatest player in the history of the sport to not just give up on him and give up on the season, but it's obviously been a bad look for them to just go winless since the deadline. All right, next. Okay. The landscape of college football has changed forever. A century of tradition has wiped out in a day with with the Pac-16 changes continuing. Right or wrong? You care. You're wrong. I don't care. I just don't care. I know that I, I... The most miserable time of my professional career was when I was doing radio in Kansas City. The, I loved, by the way, that, that was not the most miserable time of my professional career, but this very specific instance of it. When the initial conference realignment stuff started and we had to talk about Dan Beebe and the... Lou Perkins, and it was KU going to get left out, and where MU's going, I didn't care then. When I covered college sports, I don't care now. I just, I cannot, it it is, I am wanting to change the channel on my own podcast, just having this be in the show. I do not care. Next. All right, goodness. Season two of HBO's Winning Time debuted this weekend, although... With the omission of a notable superstar, Demonte was nowhere to be found. Right or wrong, Demonte should appear in season three of Winning Time. Uh, we thought he should appear in season two, uh, but he didn't make the cut. He's now in L.A. I feel like he unfortunately missed his opportunity. I also think he thought he was going to be cast as Byron Scott when we thought he should be cast as Byron Scott, and he didn't. It seemed to really disappoint him. I think he had put a few eggs in that basket. I'd love to see him on there. I don't think it's going to happen. Also, I don't want... I want... It is important to me that the even if Demaze were to like get that opportunity, I would not want him to do it. He probably would do it. But it's the same way I feel about like if Deanna were to get an opportunity. I want the first child to have like a real screen opportunity to be you. And so I would be really upset if the. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I just, I don't want, that's your thing. And Deanna now also wants it to be her thing, but she's so much younger than you. And so I would, I don't, I don't know, but it doesn't matter. He didn't get cast. He didn't even get a callback, even though I think he would have done a great job with it. All right, last one. Okay, it seems like Mark Zuckerberg may actually fight Elon Musk. Elon, who is dealing with a neck issue, says the fight will be streamed on the artist formerly known as Twitter. But Zuck says that the Tesla nerd hasn't confirmed anything yet. Right or wrong, Musk is ducking Zuck. I think it's absolutely right that he's ducking him. Listen, Musk is a lot bigger than Zuckerberg, but Zuckerberg literally trains for mixed martial arts. He has like an octagon in his house. He has professional trainers. And if one guy trains and the other guy doesn't, the size part doesn't even really matter. I think Zuckerberg would be a massive favorite in that fight. And I don't think Musk wants anything to do with it. I think, I think like a lot of things, Musk is a lot of talk, not a lot of action. Um, all right. I would like to answer your guys' questions next. Also, producers, 
If there is a comment or a question that took major issue with some of my U.S. Women's National Team commentary, if the, if they're there, I can address those for a couple minutes as well. If they're not there, don't worry about that. We'll do all that next. What's we'll right? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back, episode 170. Now we're going to answer your read- your fan questions. Uh, yeah, let um start with... uh. The number, f- the Jarrell Clawton. We'll do the U.S. Women's National Team ones at the end. Okay. Jarrell Clawton says, first time watching the show live. I just want to say that shirt is fire. Where is it from? Oh, well, Dior got it for me. So where is it from? It's from the Scotch and Soda in Spain. Uh, so yeah, Dior got this for me when she was on her trip. It was very nice of her. But I have a lot of Scotch and Soda stuff. They should be our newest podcast sponsor, by the way. Shout out Scotch and Soda uh and ted you baker wear it, like every i wear sale. scotch and soda like almost every podcast and ted baker stuff i and hugo boss stuff i wear almost every tv show i'll take some scotch and soda jeans i'll put that out there oh will you yeah i'll let them know oh, okay. right here i'll take some jeans you heard it here first <laughs> okay all right next um should i go to five or go to the beginning uh no no no. go to crustacean yeah crustacean nation said I've been seeing some of your poker games on TikTok recently, and I was wondering what's your favorite hand to play besides a pocket pair. Oh, I mean, I think everybody probably, I think the most fun hands to play are probably suited connectors. I think that's for everybody. And I, uh, the, I, yeah, listen, I'm not really on TikTok, but a lot of the, a lot of my poker stuff from a couple years ago seems to have like resurfaced on TikTok. I know some of yours classmates sent her some of them and the but i haven't played on tv in a couple years and i might be as i mentioned earlier i might be playing here at the end of the month that you could stream on the poker go youtube channel i just got to work out the details of it all right next okay johnston asked where do you think is the best landing spot for caleb williams and what is the most likely landing spot all right the most likely landing spot without question is arizona because they're going to be terrible, they have their own pick, and they have Houston's first-round pick. So they're the most likely landing spot. The best landing spot, I think, I think the best landing spot would be the Rams. So you have Sean McVay, and you'd be in L.A., you'd be in the NFC. I think for all those, I think the Rams would be the best, but I think Arizona is the most likely of the landing spots. All right, next. Okay, Louis Luis L asked Nick, "What do you think? Are, what do you think the chances are that Austin Reeves is the Lakers' number one player this coming season? He seems to be cooking it up for the Team USA so far." Um, I if the, if Austin Reeves is their best player, then it, it's a total unmitigated disaster. And I like Austin a lot, but it means either LeBron fell off a cliff 
or got injured, and it means Anthony Davis definitely got injured. There is no scenario where LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy and Austin Reeves is their best player. There's just none. So that's why it would be a disaster. Austin Reeves, he's going to come get you. No, I like, I listen, no. I like Austin Reeves, but he would tell you that. He is no ch- If he's better than LeBron and LeBron's healthy, it means LeBron that all of a sudden age came up and grabbed him. And there's no scenario where he's better than a healthy Anthony Davis. It just doesn't exist. Now, could Austin Reeves, you know, be a fringe all star? Maybe. And that would be a great development for the Lakers. But him being their best player is no chance. All right, next one. Michael asked, are you higher on the Cowboys? Why are you higher? Why are you higher on the Cowboys than the Niners this year? I just think the Niners... I think them putting all this faith in Brock Purdy based on the winning record last year, even though the play was not exemplary, and coming off elbow surgery is risky. And I think that last year, I I loved the roster. I really liked them, and I think they missed their opportunity. And I just I think the people are way too down on the Cowboys. Cowboys went twelve and five in the losses were their first game of the year against the Eagles with their backup quarterback. Overtime to Aaron Rodgers, overtime to the Prince, and week a meaningless Week 18 game. They rolled the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. They then lost to a Niners team that at that point in time had won 12 consecutive games by an average of like 17 points. Uh, and I think people are too down on the Cowboys and a little too high on the Niners. All right. Now, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take over here on the soccer stuff. Keaton Holbrook says, The U.S. Women's National Team got complacent, moved the goalposts with expectations. Celebrating getting out of the group stage, the team was arrogant. I have soul-searching due after this World Cup. I Listen, I think that's a fair critique. I, it, uh, I didn't hate the celebrating after getting out of the group stage. I know a lot of people did. But they didn't seem to have... The sense of urgency the moment demanded, and obviously their attacking play was brutal. That, to me, is a totally fair criticism. How much is on the manager? How much is on that they were relying on older players and not really embracing the next generation? I'm not sure, because I'm not going to pretend like I am following the U.S. Women's National Team year-round, you know, outside of the World Cup cycles. But yeah, that, to me, is a very fair criticism. Um... Suavemente said, uh, the one girl is kind of arrogant, though. I don't like that in any of my athletes. Again, that's a fair critique as long as you apply it across the board. I've never understood the concept of people preferring false humility to earnest, honest arrogance, but a lot of people do. A lot of people would prefer their pro athletes or celebrities be fake and pretend to be humble when we know they're not really. Uh, and they, and so the, I, that to me is fair, even if it's not how I feel. I'd prefer honest arrogance over false humility every day of the week, but it is what it is. Like, that, that, to me, is not a criticism specific of the women's national team. Uh, TJ says, Nick trying to make everyone believe he speaks the gospel on political issues is so embarrassing. Listen, 
I don't think I speak the gospel on a lot of things that are actual politics. You want to have a discussion, it wouldn't be good for the pod, but you want to have a discussion about uh, tax rates, about the most efficient way to actually deal with poverty in America, maybe being outside of government programs. You want to talk about whether you know America does or does not spend too much on defense spending. You want to talk about whether or not there should be upper bound age limits like there are lower bound age limits on politicians. I will, not only will I have those discussions with you if we were to be able to have them, I will have them with you with an open mind because there are a lot of things I'm like, oh, you know more about than me or I had not considered. I am not, you know, locked in on a position. Where I speak like I speak the gospel are not on political issues. Where I speak like I'm speaking the gospel are on equal rights issues, human rights issues. And those issues, go ahead, have been hijacked and turned into political issues. I do not find talking about race to be political. And I would think, and I've made this point before and I will make it again, it is incredibly insulting to conservative Americans to assert that speaking on race in a is speaking uh, on on a racial justice or social justice slant, it is incredibly insulting to say, oh, that's liberal, because the implication there obviously then is the opposite side of the issue is the conservative position, and who would want to be anti-equal rights or anti-justice? But... Such is the world in which we live where everything is political. And there are certain things that I simply know in the marrow also, of... Go sorry, ahead. There's also some things that just simply aren't really up for debate. Correct. Or shouldn't be up for debate. There is way. a right and a wrong. There is. That's a, when people make it political when they try to find a way to make it. To, to not... try to muddy the waters on things. And I am, I am actually more strident than I, I. I am actually muting my certainty a bit when I discuss certain things on the show. And I deeply believe that. The most vocal critics of our U.S. women's soccer team, the vast majority of them, are bad faith actors. Are simply trying to find another, uh, another issue to try to further divide us for their own personal financial gain. I believe that. And it is, it's just all culture war 
all the time. And it makes us take our eye off the ball on solving bigger ticket issues and bigger problems and really having the ability to move forward. And I got no I have no quarter for it. And so when it when it bleeds into my world, which is the sports world, it's just I, I, I can't stand it. And and so do I sound self-righteous and self-assured and like I'm speaking the gospel? Yeah. And that's just because I have the utter certainty that on these things, I'm going to fall on the right side of history. And that is exactly as arrogant as it sounds, but luckily, I'm right. Talk to you all on Thursday.